I wanted to talk to you about the earthquake um, because a lot of people um, saw that and were re- responding and asking more questions about it. Um, so what I what happened essentially um, in 2020, I put out a lot of predictions um, and I posted it on medium.com. You can it's still up. Um, it was posted on November 11th of 2020. Um, if you want to get there, you can get there through my website. Um, if not, I might try to link it to this clip. Um, but I made a bunch of predictions about a bunch of different things. And it was uh, predictions that I came up with over a period of several several weeks or several months. And someone asked me, like, how do I get, like, is this something that I dreamt about? No, this, this kind of prediction, the prediction that I made about the earthquake in um, Turkey and Syria, that prediction came to me during a conversation with a client. Um, I was doing a reading for a client, and they just happened to have family out there. And I, during the conversation or the topic of conversation, I was sensing some things about that territory and some things that were coming up around it. Um, and I've posted quite a few, I posted just one this, this, this year, just a few weeks ago about, um, some, uh, warlike events happening in that area. But I did make a prediction in 2020 about an earthquake. And the prediction basically says there there may be a massive earthquake in the Middle Eastern territories that may be connected to crustal displacement due to production and extraction of oil within three to five years. Though um, it will have severe impacts on the region, the countries will continue to function largely as they have. And then I kind of go into it more and I I tied it into um, fracking. I don't know if you guys know what fracking is, but fracking is basically when they take the um, crude oil out of the ground and then they pour water back in. Um, and that's pretty much fracking because it's, it's not, it creates kind of like this, I guess, cavity within the earth that becomes unstable over time is what I would assume, which is why they do it. And also the, I guess the fracking part of it is because the water pressure forces more, more oil, you know, into, um, the other side of it. So I think that's the whole model or the whole idea about fracking. If I'm, if I'm, wrong on that please excuse my ignorance because I don't I'm not an engineer so I don't know about that um, and then today oh, a lot yesterday actually um, sure enough um, it was on the news all over the news um, let me get back to that because I want to read the article here um, Turkey earthquake at least uh, 130 killed that was last night today I think the the total is over a thousand so I think they're now like it's gone past a thousand at this point and some of the videos that I'm seeing online are really sad because like these these buildings are just like suddenly collapsing and becoming rubble and I'm like wow like and obviously if you live in a home and you live in a, in, a, in a in a building your assumption is that it's a solid building that it's not going to you know, it's, it's, if, especially if it's made out of concrete. Um, but these buildings are like collapsing on themselves and on themselves, um, with, with just a little ease because of the earthquake and the damage that was caused by the earthquake. Um, but it was a 7.8 magnitude, um, and it was in Turkey and in Syria, um, and Middle East. So that happened yesterday and then they're still going through it as well. Uh, and I think I had read somewhere that they were expecting this to be the quake of this, of the decade there. Um, but it just depends on the, on the, uh, amount of life that has been taken. It's kind of sad, right? It's yeah, over 3000. See now someone just updated and said over 3000 killed now. Yeah. So I, I expect that the numbers are going to keep going up because when I initially saw this in my vision or in my, um, 
sensing uh, moment of sensing during my uh, session with a client, I saw it being like devastating. It was like a very devastating kind of event. Um, and, and I would expect that with any kind of event of that magnitude, there would be thousands and thousands of people who would have passed. Uh, so I, I posted this on my medium.com article in 2020, November 11th of 2020. And then I said within three to five years, which, you know, technically we're at like two and a half, let's see, because it was in November, right? So technically, I mean, if you count the year of 2020, then 2021, 2022, 23, this would be the third year. But if you count it by based on like the actual digits, I was a little bit off with the timing of it, I think, because I said between three to five years, but I was seeing it around that three year mark. But sometimes when I'm predicting, and this is the, the part that gets a little bit challenging with making predictions and trying to get the timing right, oftentimes your timing of it is based on on your awareness of time. For example, whenever I'm doing a reading and I'm doing them live, I would tell a person like I'm seeing this around like May. For me, the first May, the May is like now, you know, and everything in my mind when I'm sensing something, it's in the now, it's like right now. So I have to apply some sort of um, unit of time to it. So I try to look for anything that helps me to distinguish the time frame. And when it comes to timing in the year, there are also, there are several things that tend to happen throughout a year that help give me a basis of time. So when you look at like January, usually January is the first of the year. It's New Year's just happened. Everyone's coming off of their holiday kick and um, everyone's trying to get a new routine started for the most part. Well, most people are because they have their New Year's resolutions, whatnot. Um, so that's the beginning of the year, right? Um, and then when I look at the springtime, I normally associate springtime with Easter because every year around that time we celebrated Easter. So that was around the timing of it, which um, would be for me would be around like the March, April, May timeframe, right? Um, and then when you get to May, around May or June, usually that's the ending of a school year. People are coming, kids are coming out of school. Um, kids are looking forward to summer vacation. Um, May is my birthday. So my birthday's on May 6th. So whenever I see my birthday or May 6th, that's when I apply that period of time. Um, summertime is usually a lull is how I see it. June, July, um, beginning of August for me, because everybody's like, that's what I associated with summer break when we were not in school. So I would spend the summer just, you know, doing whatever. Um, and then of course, August is the beginning of the school year. And then October is, is Halloween. And then of course the end of the year is the holidays, November, December. So I apply some of, uh, when I think of time and I kind of tune in and try to apply a time frame, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a period that I can associate with whatever it is. Um, now when you go out past a year at that point, that gets trickier because this year feels more like now than next year. And the, and it's kind of hard to explain that part because unless you do readings on a regular basis and you apply time to your, to your prediction, you won't get a sense of the subtle difference between now, which will be this year, and in the future, which tends to be like plus one year. Uh, so sometimes when I'm making a prediction and I say, oh, well, I see this happening in August, some people will come back and say, well, for any this happened like two weeks later, not in August. I'm like, whoops. But that's because, again, everything is in the now and I'm trying to apply it with something that I associate with that time frame. Um, if and if it doesn't happen at that moment, um, if it doesn't happen sooner than August, they'll come back and say, oh, well, this didn't happen in August of this year. Like you said, it happened August of the next year. I'm like, ah, okay, because I was trying to apply a unit of measure and it felt like it was in the future. But I have to kind of make a judgment call on whether it's going to be this year or next year. But there's a, such a subtle difference between this year and August because 
we're in 2023 as of this recording. And if I tune out to August, it feels like it's a long time, right? But it's actually not technically because there's really no time. It's only our perception of time. So when you go over to 2024 and you go to August, um, it's still in the future. So the association of it being forwards in the future, end of year, um, time period, and what I'm applying to that, that all kind of has to be taken into account. So that's kind of how I distinguish the, the differences in timeframes and when I'm making a prediction and I'm applying the time frame to that. Um, but it, yeah, it gets tricky because uh, when I initially predicted this, I said between three to five years and I was getting that three year vibe. Like I felt like it would be in three years, which we're getting pretty close to that three year mark now. Um, and uh, I gave it an extra two years just to be on the safe side because sometimes I'm a little off. Um, but yeah, so that's that's tends to be the way that it works out with predicting things for the future. Um, and it's, it's not easy to do for, for the most part, because again, you have to have a perception or an idea of time and you have to have reference points for when you're, um, you have to have reference points for when you are going to be applying timing like forwards of a year or, or whatnot. And then throughout the year, break it apart. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? So that's kind of how that works. Um, so it's interesting, but it's not easy to do for the most part. Um, but it's kind of sad because, you know, even though you, it's when it, when it comes to predicting the future and tuning into something outside of yourself, um, the more, and this is something that I've recently talked about, the more you have an invested interest in what it is that you're tuning into, the less accurate you're going to be. Just that's a given. Um, so you don't want to, try to predict things about things you care about. Um, so like with your own life and tuning into your own future, it's really hard for psychics to do that because you care about your future. You have a, you have a bias, you have an invested interest in that future. So that's going to keep you from seeing things as clearly. Um, when you're tuning into something that is like separate from you, um, for example, and I, I call it three levels of awareness or three levels of objectivity. The first level is myself. So being objective with myself is limited because I care about the outcome. So my accuracy go to, goes down with predicting my future or sensing things that are coming up for me. Then when you go out to the next level of objectivity, you get into friends and family. So as a psychic and as a medium, you can sense things for friends and family, but you're still not going to be as accurate as if you were let's say reading for a stranger because with the friends and family, you care about their lives as well. You care about their future. You have judgments about them as people and their ideas about their lives that you hold within your mind. And that's going to cloud what you're perceiving and it's going to get muddled in there. So some of yourself is going to get mixed in with what you're trying to sense. Then you go to the third um, layer of objectivity and that's strangers, clients, etc. That's when you definitely have uh, an easier time of being accurate and, and more precise because you don't, even though you might care about people and unless you're really bad with boundaries and you're getting up in everybody's Kool-Aid and trying to mix, you know, stir it all up for them. Um, but unless you're doing that, you have a better chance of being more accurate with strangers. Um, so that's why it's really, really important to practice objectivity when it comes to tuning in and sensing the, the, the future. Um, and it's always easier, easier to read for clients and strangers than it is to read for my family or for myself. Um, so that's pretty much the, the, the gist of that. Um, and, and yeah, anyone can be psychic. Uh, Natanya was like, can anyone be psychic? Everybody's psychic. I'm not that special. I only understand the process and I've practiced it. That's it. Granted, I can predict and I've been able to 
exemplify and do things that other people don't easily do or cannot do, not because I'm special, just because I've understood what I'm capable of and I embraced that as a young person and then I practiced doing it. That's the only difference. Uh, but most everybody can do what I do. It's not like um, you have to be special or unique or you have to be endowed by uh, an angel from the heavens. You know, anyone can do this kind of work. You just It takes a lot of work and effort and you really have to put a lot into it because you have to be dedicated to perceiving and to sensing and to making mistakes. You have to be willing to make mistakes. That's part of the gig is you have to be willing to be wrong because if you're not willing to be wrong, you're always going to try to control how you are perceived by others. You're always going to be afraid of looking like a fool in front of others. And then you're never going to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And that becomes a problem because in order to be uh, a psychic or a medium, especially someone who is going to evolve and stand out of the crowd, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and with putting yourself out there in a way where it's going to leave you open to criticism and people having opinions about you, people wanting to um, make you out to be the devil for some people. If that's what they see, um, it just depends on who you're dealing with, but you're going to deal with some hate that, and that comes along with this work. Um, it's the sad truth, but it is the truth. And that's with anybody in the media or anyone who gets attention on, on, you know, on TV, on radio, people who put themselves out there and are in the public eye, by default are going to be are going to be subject to some sort of hate or some sort of pushback from people who have opinions or people who think they know better. Um, so you just have to like roll with it and kind of take it as it comes. But I, um, I think for me, the way that I learned, the way that I learned about the need for objectivity and trying to remain, you know, distant and detached from the thing you're sensing, I think was my experience with my friend Chelsea, who passed away uh, several years back. Um, I think this was in 20, 2014, I think. This was in 2014 um, and 2015, because I, I believe I left Starbucks, which is when I left my uh, job as a full, a full, full-time manager at Starbucks. I left that job in 2015, I believe. And I, we're at the, at the end of 2014 or, and going into 2015. And in 2014, I, earlier that year, I actually did a reading for my friend Chelsea, who um, I went over to her house. She actually lived just a few blocks down from me um, in my old neighborhood. And I went over to her house and she was like, Freddie, I need a reading. I'm like, okay, well, let me, you know, I'll come and do a reading for you. Um, and about back then, I used cards. I didn't just read like on the spot or using my my brain power 100%. I was still kind of like in that in between state of like, mm, I I know I can do this. I know I can sense things, but at the same time, I'm not confident in myself yet, and I still haven't established myself and and doing being able to do this and to prove myself. So I went over to her house and I was using cards, I had my tarot cards, oracle cards, and I did a reading for her. And during the reading. Um, what I saw was I saw an image of being inside of a hospital and in the hospital, I don't know if it was a room or it was just like a space, but it was like a hospital space. Um, and what I saw in my mind is I saw an image of her mom and I had met her mom. So I, I, I knew um, of her mom. I didn't know her personally, but I had met her because she'd brought her into the store once and introduced her to us. Uh, but I saw an image of her mom sitting down in a chair and she was sobbing and she was sad and crying. And, uh, it was, I, I had the impression that something had happened in the family. Either someone had been giving some devastating news. Um, like whenever like someone is given like news, like, Oh, you have stage four, you know, breast cancer, you're going to pass away like that kind of devastating news. Or someone had just found out that someone had passed away. And because I was seeing the image of her mom, 
in sitting in the chair in the hospital uh, room crying and sobbing, I thought to myself, maybe this is about her mom. Uh, maybe this is maybe something's going on with her mom. And that's why I'm picking up on everybody in the family and her family just being sad and devastated and feeling brokenhearted because um, something was wrong and it, it felt like people were in grief, like someone had passed away. And then I saw the vision of her mom sitting in that chair in the hospital room. So by default, I assumed this was about her mom based on those pieces. Um, and that's and, and what I told her was, look, I don't know if this is accurate to what this could be. And that there's something wrong with your mom. But what I would say is tell your mom to go get checked out by a doctor and just have her have them do some tests, some basic tests, just to kind of get some things, you know, just to check, check it out and see, because if this is your mom, then at least you have the opportunity to change your future. And I believe that I really do believe that you have the ability for the most part to change your future. There are some things that are just going to happen because they're slated by destiny, but, but there are things that you can change. Um, and that's what I did. I told her to tell her mom, go, go tell her, go check herself at the doctor. And she did. She told her mom that. And I don't know if she did follow up or not. And I, I think also part of that was because her family was, um, they were more on the religious spectrum. So the idea of like a psychic telling them to do something, you know, automatically there's pushback. And Chelsea, my friend Chelsea was more open-minded and more just like a very free spirit, you know? So, you know, fast forward a few months down the road towards the end of 2020, towards the end of 2014, um, Chelsea was on her way home from a, her job at, at a Whole Foods at the time. And um, she was just a few blocks away from her, her house. Uh, she was bicycling and she was in a biking lane and uh, a drunk driver came by and slammed into her and then took off and left her there. And uh, some good Samaritans stopped after that and got her and um, helped her to stay, you know, conscious. And then the ambulance came and took her to the hospital. Um, and she had so many injuries that she was in and out of, of surgeries for several days. And, uh, we heard about it the day after, um, that morning that after it happened, um, Chelsea's friend, Erica, um, who was also a good friend of mine as well. She reached out to us and said, Hey, you know, I'm just keeping y'all up to date this happened last night and Chelsea's in the hospital and we're like, what? And it was like a, such a shock to my system because she was such a, such a young free spirited person that when you think of someone who's that full of life, you just, you can't envision someone like that going away or not making it, you know? So I went with my friend Sophia. Um, actually I went with my, with my uh, friend Roxy at the time. Uh, we went to go, look and, and, and visit her. And then, um, Sophia was there as well. And as I was walking into the hospital and the waiting area, I saw her mom sitting in a chair crying. And it was exactly what I saw months before in Chelsea's reading. And at that moment it hit me like, Oh shit. Like this is what I was seeing. And it wasn't her mom. It was Chelsea. And, uh, so after that, and Chelsea passed away. She didn't, she, she was only, uh, she lived for maybe two or three more days and then her family decided to let her go. Um, and she passed away after that. It was a ride for me because I, in a way, even though it's not like I did that to her, put her in that situation for that to happen, I blamed myself because here I am doing a reading for her months before. And you can ask, you know, a couple of my friends, cause I broke down in, in a car, 
um, about this, we had gone out to, actually, we had gone out to the Backstreet Boys concert. It was there. I'd only been to two back. I've only been to two concerts in my lifetime. Y'all I've been to the Backstreet Boys concert when they were at the height of their career in like the, uh, the late nineties or early two thousands. And then I went on their like reboot tour, um, when they came back and started making music again. And, uh, uh my friend Roxy and, uh, Anya went to go see them at, in a, a venue. And after that, we, you know, kind of decided we were going to go to a bar. And this was just a few weeks after Chelsea had passed away. Um, we were going to go to a bar and hang out. And I just, and I mean, the, when you're going through grief, right. And then you, you mix in alcohol at that point, that's probably not a good idea. Um, and I'm not much of a, much of a drinker. I'm a lightweight, so I don't drink really, uh, and we went to this bar and I already had a few drinks in me. We already saw the Backstreet Boys. I almost broke my leg trying to, trying to, uh, get close to Kevin because Kevin was my crush back then. Um, so yes, he's so, so, super hot. But, um, uh, we parked the car at, on, on this spot on the street and, uh, we were going to get out and I just started, I broke down and started crying and they were like trying to console me. And I was just like, and it was the ugly cry. I mean, and I don't cry like that often, but this was a, this was a bad crying fit. Um, and I, I kind of felt guilty and blamed myself because I felt that had I been a better psychic, I would have been able to warn her and she would still be here. Like I put that on myself and I was so upset and angry at myself because I was like, why couldn't I tell this was her, that this had happened to her in the vision? You know, I saw her mom. I saw her mom crying in the vision. I saw a hospital room. I knew everybody was sad and the family was, you know, breaking down and upset because someone had passed away and that's what it felt like. And I didn't even see Chelsea in that vision. I just saw everybody else, you know, her family and I did not think that it could be Chelsea. And of course it was. And, 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 and that's how I learned the lesson that, you know, the more you care about a person or about a situation, you set yourself up for an inaccurate read because you do not want some things to happen. You know, I don't want to see my sister get hurt. I don't want to see so-and-so have to deal with this issue or that issue. So by, by default, because of those biases and judgments, you are telling your brain what to see and what not to see. And your brain is going to try to give you as much as it can. Your ability is going to try to funnel to you as much detail as it can to give you an answer or an idea of what, what's coming. But for the most part, when you don't want to see specific things, you're not going to see it. Um, and that's what happened. I didn't see it. And I blamed myself. And it took me a while to really come back from that because I was so broken over that and over the fact that we lost her and I had seen this earlier that year and I just didn't put it together. Um, so that was an interesting period of learning for sure. But I learned that lesson the hard. And I, when I say I learned lessons the hard way, I really did learn lesson, that lesson the hard way. It was a hard thing to go through. Um, and what was also interesting in the synchronicity um, about a week later, there was a article that was put out by um, one of the, the, um, one of the, um, publishing organizations or, you know, publications in the area in Houston. And the article had an image and, and the, the point of the article, because after Chelsea's passing, um, it kicked, it kicked into gear a lot of changes in the city of Houston with the, um, it changed a lot of, um, changes in policies with biking lanes and how many feet you have to be all of that stuff. And 
with those changes, you know, they were, it was a big deal in Houston at the time. And there was a lot of push for these changes because of what happened to Chelsea. And she was just one of several bikers that had been killed. I um, mean, even today at the corner, if you're in Houston at the corner of Wa and, um, Wa and, uh, um, gray street, um, there's a corner at the corner, there's like a Wells Fargo there. And then right across the street, there's just a little like corner where there's some trees and you'll see a, um, a ghost bike, which is a white bike, a bike that's been spray painted white that sits there in honor of Chelsea. And people, some of us to this day who, who were friends of hers will still go by and leave things for her at the ghost bike, um, in honor of her. And, um, so they were doing an article about, what happened to Chelsea and the, the push for changing reforms with the policies and so forth. And the image that they used was an image of a girl who was laying on the middle of the street on the side of the street, actually. And there was uh, the scene. It was, it was all, you know, I guess you could say they were all actors pretending to play the role of like the victim and the family of the victim and the person who accidentally hit them, didn't see them. And so this image that was in the paper they just happened to pick the exact spot that I that we stopped the car to go to the bar and where I had my breakdown, like the exact spot where I had my breakdown. That's where they took that picture. And this was a publication that was separate from what what I had any connection to. So really interesting synchronicity there. And, and uh, one of my friends showed it like, look, this is where we this is where you were crying. Um, and breaking down because of Chelsea, like it's in the same spot, the pictures of these people and this like mock up of this, you know, person being hit by a vehicle who's a biker, it's in the same spot. So that was kind of interesting and, and you know, weird at the same time. Um, not surprising to today, I'm used to stuff like that today. But at the time, it was really surprising. So sometimes like when when it comes to tuning into like prediction and picking up on stuff that's happening around the world, if you don't have an invested interest or if you're not really attached to what it is that you're sensing, it's a lot easier to pick up on stuff. Um, and so a lot of my world predictions, I do try to steer away from some things that I would have a, a reaction to or would be triggering for me because that's probably an indicator that I'm going to have a bias around what I'm sensing. Uh, but if stuff is coming up that is coming through in dreams or I've seen it before or it's coming up during a, a um, reading that I'm doing for a client, I pay attention and I make note of it. And then I will go, I'll go and I'll actually um, write it down right afterwards. So that way I know that I need to come back and share that prediction publicly because it's something that's can affect a lot of other people in public in the public as well. So, um, yeah, so that's what happened. Um, so has anybody want to come on? Let's see. Anybody want to come on? Remember no readings, just like questions or, or conversation. <laughs> Cause I'm curious, I'm curious. Um, um, what, Hey, Hey, the Myers. Hey, you always said you were wanting to like, um, you said you were wanting, always wanting to catch me. Fortunately, I'm not doing readings today. So you caught me on a day where I'm not doing readings. I'm just uh, recording for my podcast, but I'm, I'm open to conversation and questions about stuff like that. If you guys want to, um, come on, let me see. Again, guys, I'm not doing readings. So if you're coming on here asking questions about your loved ones or your future, not going to happen. So this is just for a podcast um, and I'm open to conversation and discussion, not readings. So if you're asking for a reading, it ain't going to happen. So you'll have to come back when that is actually the case, which would be Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, 
So the podcast is called um, Fernie Unfiltered. It's been around for a bit. Um, I did three seasons of it and then I kind of took a break. So I'm getting back into it um, right now. You know, the dreams about Biden, um, th those were really interesting. Um, they just started happening. There was like, there's already been three of them, I think. And I've shared them all on social media. Um, I, I really don't know what to make of it because I have my own opinions about stuff. And that's really hard to kind of, you, you, you really want to not get caught up in that. And so when, when it comes to like political dreams or stuff like that, um, there are things that I just, it's hard for me to sense accurately, accurately if I'm awake. Um, and that's why I'm having dreams now. And that's why they're, they're dreams. They're coming through in dreams because in a dream, I'm not, um, really, I don't, I'm asleep. I'm, I'm open and receptive. And if I'm going to get a download, then that's the time to, to for me to get that. Um, so yeah, 